0: Legal Management Talk, the official podcast of the Association of Legal Administrators. I'm your host, Valerie Danner. Today we're talking with a guest who might be familiar to many of our listeners, Brianna Leong, a principal consultant with Growth Play. She also frequently contributes to legal management, including the May Cover story Leading Through Change, which turned out to be way more timely than we could have anticipated as we entered the third month of COVID-19 quarantine. Bree, welcome back to Legal Management Talk. It's great to have you back.
1: Thanks, Valerie. I am delighted to be back on Legal Management Talk. Thanks for having me.
0: Why don't you um, tell us a little bit about yourself and your work?
1: Sure. So I live in Chicago with my husband and two young kids who you may hear shouting in the background because those are the days in which we live. (laughs) Um, And as far as my work, I consult with lawyers and law firm leaders, really all across the country, helping them to strategically grow their practices. And we do so with a real client Approach and my past—I've worked in legal for about 20 years now, and um, much of my past experience has been um, rooted in helping law firms manage and lead change, particularly when it came to uh, technology change, so user adoption, technology rollouts, and helping um, the leaders of those projects and initiatives really understand how to roll out changes that are um, supporting what people need, not just what the project needs. So it's really thinking about managing change from the people side of it. And so I'm delighted today to be talking about the article that, um, that we uh, thought through a long time ago and, and, and now have published because it was very much um, right there in the heart of change uh, and the things that I've been really passionate about helping from with for a long time.
0: Yeah, when you and I first started talking about Leading Through Change back in the fall, we had no idea it would publish in the middle of a (laughs) world-altering pandemic. So (laughs) we we look very prophetic for that. Yeah. So what piece of advice from the article have you found to be the most helpful as you adjust to our new normal?
1: Well, so for me personally, I think that's a good question. For me personally, I think it's the piece about letting people control the things that they can control. Because in any kind of change, one of the things that we humans tend to fight against is this notion of being changed or having things pushed on us rather than things that we're opting into. And certainly this the pandemic and economic crisis are no different. These are things that nobody's asked for, nobody wants to be happening. Um, and there is so much outside of our control right now. And so I think for me personally, what, what has been most helpful um, in, in surviving, I <laughs> will say, all of the changes and, and, yes, ultimately adjusting to the new normal is really trying to find what are the small things, what are the things that I can control. And, and I've been, it took a while. I'm not going to say any of this was easier that I was a, a role model for what to do or how to do it. But I eventually landed, I think, in a good place where I've been able to recognize that one of those things that I can control is my attitude. And my ability to find the silver linings and the brights to see opportunities that um, wouldn't otherwise be existing if it weren't for all of the changes that again nobody wants, and and also as a as a coach and a consultant helping others to see those same kind of silver linings for themselves. So, I, I think that's really helped me through it. Um, I think I've had to also really shift from thinking about how soon are things going to get back to what we used to know as normal um my four-year-old has even adopted the vernacular well it's all about corona or when corona is over we can't do that because of corona but when corona is over and you know i get to we got to stop thinking about when it's over because we don't know when it's going to be over or if it's going to be over. In fact, in Chicago, our mayor, as you know, Valerie, our mayor just said that the thought of going back to school in the fall is aspirational. Yeah. And so every time we think, okay, well, when it's over, we're going to be back in school. When it's over, we're going to do this. But when it's over, we're going to feel better. And I think, you know, the, the realization and changing the thought from, well, we're just going to put the pause button on until it's over i I think you have to leave that behind and really think that, that we've been experiencing new updates and new changes almost weekly sometimes daily and and they're scary and incredulous realizations that we've been having um all along so in the article i wrote about the kubler ross change curve. Do you remember that? Right. Right. And how um, people process change really in their own ways. you know. And so as a leader of change, you can't sit there and say, well, here's the prescriptive process and timeline from which everybody will come come around. And you, you may recall if you've read the article and if you haven't, here's here are the notes. The Kubler-Ross change curve basically says that on our own timeline and in our own way, we all generally experience these different stages of of coming around to things. So you start with shock and go into denial, frustration, and depression. Then you get into some experimentation. Then you make a decision that, okay, it's going to be fine. And then you finally integrate. And again, some changes and some people will move at different speeds and, and, and zip through some of these. But I think, since this whole pandemic started the last nine weeks, I think I, I lived for a long time in the shock, denial, and frustration stages. Right, me too. Right? Like, just fighting against it. Like, no, it's going to be over. When is it going to be over? And until it's over, you know, and, and then and then the depression sunk in. Once I started to realize it's this is longer than, than we thought. And um, ultimately, uh, I... I I have to give credit to the people around me and primarily my kids who I think they're living their best days right now. Um, My dog who is absolutely loving life, having everybody around Uh, me. Mine too.
0: She's, she's been celebrating.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So influenced I think by, by those people who are around me now, 24 seven, I did start to experiment and find silver linings and start to think about what opportunities are, are here that wouldn't normally be here. And while I definitely still fall back into other stages, that every new piece, new new revelation, um, I, I feel like I have found my way into the, the um, integration side. That said, you know, there's still a lot to be pressed about, you know, just in terms of the the, what, what's really happening to people out there who are um, dealing with things much graver than, than I am, That it's hard. Um, but for, for my own changes that are impacting my day-to-day, Valerie, you know, the homeschooling, our working from home, travel plans being canceled, birthdays, graduations canceled, um, missing my parents, all those kinds of things, they're hardship, yes, but for the most part, I feel like I've turned the corner on the curve. And and really have have found integration. I'm no longer trying to fight for what I had or put life on hold. And rather we're just kind of starting to live into it. Because the old normal may never exist. And frankly, today's normal won't exist either after today. And so it's Mm -hmm. kind of letting go of the things I can't control and making the most of the things that I can. a long answer to what could have been a short (laughs) (laughs) no it's perfect and honestly
0: that was the part of your article I found most helpful personally as I try to like you said adjust to this new normal Um, like you said you kind of fall back into phases um, but I try to keep that silver lining in mind too because there have been some positive things if you look for them
1: oh definitely definitely
0: So within the legal industry, we've been talking about how change is coming, but it's a rather slow endeavor.
1: Um, Mm -hmm. But
0: overnight, firms had embraced some of the policies they've been more hesitant to move toward, especially related to technology. Um, What effect do you see having on this long term for legal?
1: Well, as a former legal technologist who is trying to get law firms to embrace technology, I will say, finally, (laughs) in capital letters, um, no I, you know even beyond technology I think' I'm, I have been and, and continue to be really encouraged by the firms who seem now driven more than ever to really innovate um, and I even hesitate to use the word innovation because it's been overplayed so much but I think like we're finally now in a place where really innovation is, <laughs> is starting to happen and, and will continue to happen because firms are um, having to make changes right so I think even if you reflect that on, the financial crisis and what you know everybody was calling for oh firms are gonna have to change so many things we're all going to change our billing structures and you know clients won't stand for it anymore and and while some of that certainly happened I think the the large majority of firms weathered the storm without they, they may they, they lost some people potentially and certainly some firms shuttered um, but for the most part the industry really did make it through through that crisis without really changing that much about their processes and policies. Because once the economy rebounded, clients more or less continue to pay a billable hour and much of the practice of law has kind of been business as usual. But this time, it's different. I mean, you could say it's taken a global pandemic to shake things up enough That's that law firms, along with every business out there, simply cannot operate as usual. I think that that aspect of it, the fact that it's really being forced into it, I think that's really going to bode well for the long-term future for legal. After all, when you think about, and, and I kind of make this this joke lovingly, because i got to tell you, I really do love lawyers and law firms. and have been working with them for a long, long time. Um, so I feel like I'm allowed to make a little joke. But legal is a precedent-based business. When you think about it, lawyers' trust and value what they know to be true, and what has been proven to work in the past, it's drilled into them as early as law school. It's about the precedent. And I think for the vast majority of firms out there, I can I can honestly say the ones that I've worked with anyways have no interest in being the first. The right. first <laughs> to change or the first to adopt something new. It was always, you know, I'd have conversations back when I was in technology and I'd say, well, you know, I would hear people say, well, we want to be. You know, we want to be innovative. We want to be, we want to be cutting edge, but we, we don't want to be first. Who else has done this? <laughs> you know? So it's always looking for somebody else to go first. Well, here, everybody's, it's, it's been kind of a level playing field in some ways. It's been a great equalizer to say, look, even if, and, and certainly there are pockets, there are firms out there who are very innovative. So I don't get me wrong. I know that they, they exist, and I've been fortunate to work with many of them. But I think there are a lot of hidden innovators an innovative thinking that exists inside of law firms, but it's hidden, right? It's dormant because it's like the, again, there hasn't been the demand created for it and there hasn't really been on large scale, the firms needing to embrace or invest in it. And I think that this is a real opportunity for those minds inside of law firms to reimagine legal services and their law firms in a whole new light, how they deliver services, how they recruit talent, how they engage employees. How, uh, yes, how they use technology to be more efficient and to b- provide better service um, and how they respond to what's happening with our clients in an entirely new ways. So I think that this is actually big. I think it's a big thing. And I'm hoping that really this is a dramatically negative cause to a dramatically positive effect on the long term for, for law firms and legal services
0: like you said we all had to hold our hands together and jump at once so yeah know, right i love that yeah. no choice no choice. Um, so but we are in such economically in certain times when people will be speculating about layoffs mm-hmm. um in the article you just dis- discuss four truths about change i found the one um about absence of information people make stuff up to be particularly yeah. on point um
1: mm-hmm.
0: what can law firm leaders do to allay some of the anxiety that people are understandably feeling
1: yeah, I think right now, you know, there are two things that law firm leaders need to be, I think, in parallel focused on. And, and that is care and well-being of their employees and the care and well-being of their clients. And and you like have to do them in tandem at the same time. But I do love that, too. The make People, in the absence of information, people make stuff up. In fact, my colleague, Deb Knapp, um, with Growth Life, she, she's actually the person who uh, originally founded our group says she's known for saying that all of us have a degree from MSU, right? And that's MSU for making stuff up, not oh. Michigan State. I was going to say Michigan State. <laughs> <laughs> right. So essentially when left to our own imaginations and then then we get fueled by the rumor mills, things can go off the rails really, really quickly. Uh, you see, um, well, you know, people drinking bleach and things like that. Right. So okay. I don't, I, I typically recommend that leaders, and we're going to, Thinking about layoffs and, and anxiety, and, and coaching, and, and, and guiding people through this uh, this kind of um, crisis situation, I really do believe that leaders must both be truth tellers as well as spreaders of hope. I, I don't want to sound like I don't want um, things to be sugar coated, but I also don't see the benefit or the need to be overly grim um, in the truth telling. I think. People really need to understand where things stand, what's being done uh, to mitigate, and to make good decisions. And they need to understand what what can they expect in terms of information in an ongoing basis. It's another important piece to all of this, and it goes hand in hand. Is that people generally hate to be surprised. It's a tough. So it's it's both. I make stuff up when I don't know, and also. I hate finding out what I don't know (laughs) if it's not what I expected. So I I think it's a real tough line to walk for leaders, and and sometimes you can feel darned if you do, darned if you don't. In fact, I was um, speaking with a client the other day who was really frustrated because his firm had been messaging. They've been doing a great job of, of giving information and messaging. They've been messaging positively the entire time that the firm was in a good place and people shouldn't feel anxious and that, you know, really alleviating the fears, and then last week, I think it was last week, maybe it was the last couple weeks, they announced salary cuts across the board, and it was this drastic shift, in that case, from good news to bad news, it was the surprise of it all that felt that my client, the person I was talking to, was feeling it was really hard for him to take, and it caused him to really feel anger and resentment, and felt like he couldn't trust um, these leaders as much as he thought he could because it was either they were tell they weren't telling the truth or they weren't making good decisions so they were as surprised as he was so I think that you know you have to reflect on that and as a leader I think would it have been would it have felt better if they hadn't messaged anything at all and then wait nine weeks and say hey we're, we're having salary cuts might have would it have felt better to hear that, you know, the farm leaders didn't know what was going to, going to happen, but that they were taking every precaution to protect people's jobs and salaries in the meantime, well, that, that probably would have caused more anxiety but less surprise. So it, it's, that, it's the balance.
0: Right. right. And I don't, after something like that, I think, how do you get trust back, too? To me, it just, it's really eroded after something like that.
1: Entirely. Entirely.
0: So, as you note in the feature, there have been some positives in the situation, one of which people are becoming more adept at working remotely. As we start to phase into reopening, what can legal managers do to ensure firms keep moving in the right directions in terms of remote work options?
1: Yeah, I think there's no doubt we're going to see remote work become much more standard than ever before. I think... It's interesting because so for many law firms, remote working has been an option. They've had the technology to do it. Many of them have had policies in place, at least for certain job functions and roles, to be able to do it. But it hasn't, in in large part, has not been all that highly adopted. It's been more the exception than than the rule or a formal sort of schedule. And I think, again, thanks to the forced change upon us, Leaders, workers, everyone are, are experiencing it, learning how to get comfortable with it, finding ways to stay connected and collaborate These are smart people we're talking about. They just sort of had to be forced into the situation to, to figure it out. And I think you, we're going to see that having a long-term stay. Um, I think also that even for firms who maybe don't plan to do it, that clients, their clients are going to be working remotely more and more. This is not just a law firm or legal thing. I think this is across across the corporate world, for sure. People are going to be working remotely more, and that will stay with the longer term. So even if the lawyers are going back into the office, they're going to find that clients have the expectation that meetings are going to happen virtually. And so I think firms are going to have to solve for this no matter what. Um, They're going to have to solve for it from a client service perspective and also from an employee engagement perspective. And there are some job functions that really only exist on site, and, and some of that's going to have to be, um, kind of sorted out. I think also in the short term I'm hearing some firms talk about opening back up and maybe that's going to happen. I certainly don't have a crystal ball, but I, I keep struggling with the reality of challenges like public transportation in big cities like Chicago. Um, and if, if people don't have a way to get to work safely, well we don't have a, a, a vaccination and things like that yet then and you know how realistic is it? Um, are you going to start, you know, letting, paying, paying for parking in downtown cities and things like that? What about people who don't have cars? And I know that's just certain big markets that have that. But for any market, you have people who have children at home, and there aren't any child care services or schools right now. So uh, it's just hard for me quite to reconcile opening the doors and also thinking about just the very real logistical challenges. So I think that, again, back to my earlier comment, I'm hoping that law firm leaders who are going to reopen in some way, I I hope that they're also not approaching this from a, well, we just have to get through this until corona is over, because we we really need to be planning and adjusting for the long term here. So I I think remote remote working is going to be part of that, and I think it's a good thing. I think it's a positive thing. So let's figure out how to do it well.
0: Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Bree. As always, it's a pleasure. Did you have anything else you'd like to add for our listeners?
1: You know, I, no. I, I just thank you for having me, and um, it's always it's always fun to collaborate with you, Valerie. And I think I think this is kind of a final message. I do feel like the silver lining in so much of this really is there is. Some great opportunity for firms, for leaders. For people who aren't even leaders today, this is going to create some leaders. I think um, tomorrow uh, how you respond to bringing your firm into not just what it used to be, but into what it could be even more of and, and really seeing, seeing opportunity in, in big, bold letters um, rather than we're just just trying to make do. So I'll leave you with that. I think, that I, is- think it, I think it's exciting. It's scary. It's, it's an awful time for, in many ways, but I think it's also there's some real exciting
0: opportunities. Well, I think that is the perfect note to end on. Um, I'd like to thank all of our listeners and subscribers for tuning in. If you like the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us, which makes it easier for others to find the podcast. As always, you can read Bree's full article in the May issue of Legal Management Magazine, and you can take a 10-question quiz at the end to earn one credit of CE just visit legalmanagement.org. Until next time.